Hey, everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. A great show on tap today. We have Sabo of Hanu Stone, uh, also of Vape Exhale, the, both the great vape products. Uh, one of the best parts about this show is I get to have my friends on. We had Ben on recently. Sabo, another dear friend of mine uh, from very, very early on. We connected very, very early um, and just stoked to have him back on the show. It's a great conversation. We talk about what else? vaping and vape gate and the backlash and whether it's unfair and whether you should care. Uh, it's a great episode, guys. I learned a lot. You're going to learn a lot. Tune in, listen up, get acquainted. Before we jump into the episode, special thanks to our partner and sponsor, NorCal Cannabis Company. Support for investing in cannabis comes from NorCal Cannabis Company, the most complete cannabis ecosystem in California. As the number one delivery network in the state, NorCal Cannabis makes more than 2,000 delivery transactions daily and has the reach to serve 10 million customers in person within 60 minutes. This isn't food delivery. This is cannabis. To learn more, visit thefutureofcannabis.com. All right, guys, let's get into the episode. It's a good one with my good friend, Sabo of Hanu Stone. Sabo, great to see you, friend. Oh, wow. Good to see you too, Brandon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I always like having you on the show, but particularly interesting right now because all of the headlines, vaping is in turmoil. Vapegate. Vapegate. 2019. What do you think? What's Vapegate? What do I think? Yeah. Well, we always knew that there were some issues that could occur with vaping, you know, and based on our research, it's three things. One is the quality of the oil or e-juice that's being used. Number two is the actual hardware, what materials is the hardware made of. And then the third thing is the user error that I think is occurring, which is most people are turning up their batteries to the highest setting so that they could blow these very impressive voluminous dragon clouds. Mm -hmm. And it could be one of those three, two of those three, or three of those three, depending on the case. But based on what we've been reading, you know, the, a lot of the people that have been having issues with their health because of vaping have either been consuming, you know, two, three, four, five pods a day, mm -hmm. jewel pods, um, or either buying the cartridges from the illicit black market. Um, next part is a little bit controversial, but this is just what I've heard. You know, I've heard that there are also um, licensed legal companies when they have batches that don't pass or they have excess, they sell it out the back door. Oh, wow. When it's being sold out the back door, it goes to the black market. People are buying cartridges, the cheapest cartridge possible. There's no oversight. You know, it could be for all of these various reasons why people are having these bad experiences with vaporizers. And, you know, for us, that's why we're very picky and selective about who fills our cartridges. No one's adding polyethylene glycol, VG, you know, the good old vitamin E acetate. Vitamin e, yeah. Uh, and even the vitamin E acetate, if you look at the six cases and then the thousands of people that have been harmed, you know, correlation is not causation as far as I'm looking at this. I don't think that's a statistically relevant number, but it is one of the things that I think people are hanging on to right now. It may be the cause of this. I don't know, but based on the numbers I looked at, they didn't look statistically relevant to me. So in addition to just choosing our partners that are going to be putting really high quality oil, uh, obviously from a hardware perspective, that's one of the things that we're very proud of. Uh, we were the first and only company based on what Steep Hill and Resco and CW Labs told us that passed category three testing on the very first try. That includes C-cell, PAX, Dosis, G-Pen. So at least for me, I like to get my mercury from sushi, not from my vape pens. So, <laughs> you know, we're very proud of that. And then the third part is um, there's no temperature control on our device. The temperature is actually controlled by the pod. So each of our extraction partners will choose a pod that is optimized for that specific strain or cultivar. When you put it in, the battery auto calibrates to the right um, temperature, so you cannot overburn the oil, degrade the materials inside, or degrade the oil. So we felt that we've taken all the necessary precautions to be one of the people that emerged from vape gate in a very positive manner. And you know, this is why our device costs more. You know, it it you can't make these devices for that cheap and expect to get a decent margin and be able to run your business if you're selling them at those prices. 
And now we're seeing what happens when you cut corners. Do you think it's unfair that the media and society has yet to sort of separate cannabis vapes from nicotine vapes? Uh, I don't think it's fair, but at the same time, I understand, you know, this is for mainstream media. You know, it's just like when pit bulls were like the worst dogs around, you know, people never read into or dug into like, okay, well, how were these dogs raised? Why are they fighting? Why are they attacking people? Well, they were raised by people that trained them to fight and attack. You can you know? train a golden retriever to fight. You I really think so. Want to. Yeah, I think so. So I think that it's unfair, but I also think it's also par for the course. You know, the everyone's looking for clicks. Everyone is putting out clickbaity um, type of title so that you, I guess, click on the link. Sure. Um, and ultimately, you know, I think that it's upon people like ourselves to make sure that we put out the right information to combat some of this misinformation. But in the big picture, I actually think this is a good thing. You know, they needed some oversight. You know, people are putting this, that and the other into all these different vape pens. And for people like myself that have been doing it right all along, well, we're going to benefit from that. Yeah, it's like when people tell me that they're frustrated with someone that's incompetent or stupid, I say, well, you should be thankful because that makes you better, right? You can rise above that. That's true. And, you know, um, that's, lower that's what you're doing. You create fantastic products. Start back when you were last on this show with the Vape Exhale, which still continues, right? You're yep, yep. selling all over the place still. Yeah, yeah. Believe yeah. it or not, Vape Exhale is still uh, uh, humming along just as good as last year. So we're very happy, awesome. especially, you know, there's competitors like Puffco, yeah. the Switch. Carta, you know, a lot of these portables that have borrowed a lot of that form factor of the heating unit underneath with the moisture filtration on top. And yeah, I mean, even with the um, inclusion of all these new devices, you know, the VapeXL plug-in desktop vaporizer is still humming along. Mm -hmm. And it's such an authentic origin story because you didn't do this to capitalize on the green wave. In fact, you started well before legalization anyway, before people were um, super fired up about the green rush and you just created what you wanted to see in the world which is I think how the best products are formed are created and that's exactly what you've done with the Hanu stone now too so tell us a little bit about what you learned from Vapex sale and sort of what how that's created this what what parts you took and put into the yeah absolutely so uh, thank you for that you know I, I really believe that if you follow your heart and your passion as cheesy as it sounds you know, that's the right path for you. And I think as an entrepreneur, there are so many people that are in your ear that are telling you to do this, that, or the other. And sometimes it's really hard to stay true to what you want to do. But um, starting off with the vape exhale, you know, we really wanted to learn the science and physics behind applying heat to cannabis flower or oil. And like any other technology, we just knew things would get smaller, more portable, more affordable. So we took all the best scientific and physics principles that we could apply to a smaller form factor like the Hanu Stone so that people could enjoy that same type of user experience but have something that is much easier to use, has a lower learning curve and is much more portable and convenient as well. And for us, you know, we noticed that there was a ton of these new closed loop systems on the market. Some of them were rectangular, some of them were octagonal. Um, but we also noticed that they were all long and skinny and they were all mimicking the form factor of a cigarette. And we often talk about cannabis for health and wellness. So when we were designing the form factor of our device, we wanted to make sure that it had nothing to do with anything that looked like a nicotine product and something that we could use to hopefully shift the paradigm of how people looked at vape pens and hopefully maybe not even call them vape pens anymore because right. it's not a pen correct yeah i mean it, what you came up with is a very organic sort of feeling i mean it looks like a stone but not like a technology stone right yes. i mean how conscious were you of that like it's it's asymmetrical first of all yes oh yeah. thank you for using those big words so um <laughs> you know cannabis is very natural right it, it grows from the earth and um when we were introducing yet another piece of technology, we were really thinking, you know, even though we live in the Silicon Valley, I think people here are getting sick of technology. You know, mm -hmm. everyone's talking about like hiking more, meditating more, camping more. Disconnecting. Disconnecting, yeah. yes. So when we were designing this, we we're like, oh shit, you know, like we're introducing another piece of technology. So we thought about uh, making it asymmetrical so it would kind of have like that 
imperfect perfection of nature. Mm -hmm. And also, um, as you were just holding it, you know, it has like this really great tactile sensation in your hand. And the short story behind that is our designer, he actually moved to San Francisco from Nigeria five years ago. He was at Ocean Beach. He found a stone exactly like this. He was going to skip it against the water. It had this really cool feeling in his hand. And then he decided to keep it and he drilled a hole in it and he wears it as a pendant around okay. his neck. Okay. And when he first showed me the first prototypes for the Hanu stone or the, the Hanu vaporizer, yeah. you know, it looked like Pax was the originators. G-Pen was second to the, uh, yeah. to the show. And then Hanu was just these super unoriginal folks. So as I'm giving him this feedback, he's clutching his chest and I'm thinking, did I give this guy a heart attack or why is he clutching his chest? And he tells me when he's worried, he just rubs his stone. So we had this epiphany like, hey, you know, like you can't smoke indoors. Well, if you could just rub this device to kind of reduce your anxiety, that would be like a really cool kind of like story and marketing behind it. Mm -hmm. And that's how we got to this form factor. Very, very cool. What's Hanu mean? Hanu is a Hawaiian word for breathe. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we were really thinking about, you know, when as a human what are the core things that you really need most people think about well you need food you need water and those things are all true but you could go several weeks without eating still live you could go almost like a full week without water without dying but maybe you could i couldn't but i can't go a morning without <laughs> i tried intermittent fasting i'm like once it's 1101 i'm stuffing my face yeah you know? yeah yeah, yeah. Well, i'm not as productive if i do that i just feel like shit <laughs> do you I'm, yeah I have to eat. But most people say up. they feel great on intermittent fasting. I was just looking like Skeletor, you know? So people were like, you look super unhealthy, Saba. Well, you're a skinny guy anyway. You don't need to be doing that that fasting business. Well, I was fasting for other reasons than physical. Got but it. I did feel great. But I got tired of people saying I look like a skeleton. So just started eating donuts and stuff like that again. Got <laughs> you got to have a donut in life. So you mentioned that you didn't want to look like everybody else. You didn't want to have the pen sort of form factor. Correct. But really, you're competing against two categories, in my opinion. Yes. It's the traditional pens, the 510 threads. Yes. And packs. And packs. That's, that's the way I see it, right? And there's lots of reasons why packs are cool. They're discreet. They have that technology appeal. Why is this better? What does this do that packs won't do for you? Yeah, so one of the things that I noticed is uh, most of the devices with higher industrial design, they are utilitarian functionality is not quite as high. You know, my favorite vape pen was the C-cell. Uh -huh. You know, when the C-cells came out, like I could actually taste the different terpene profiles and I could guess, oh, this is Gorilla Glue or this is Lemon Sherbet. Um, I was not able to delineate those flavors when using pods or cartridges that had a wicking system. So just a quick history lesson. The first cartridges that came out in 2011, 2012, they used a wicking system, usually a cotton wick that would absorb the oil. The cotton wick would then be in direct contact with the atomizer. So I call that like low temperature burning. Mm -hmm. Now in 2015, PAX introduced the PAX era. And the, instead of a wicking system, they used a dual wicking system. So twice the efficiency, but at least for me, same type of technology, just the evolutionary jump. Now in 2016, CSO introduced the wickless system. That's when the oil actually sits directly on top of the atomizer. You could use far lower temperatures to create that same opacity of cloud. And it also preserves the flavor because you're not burning the shit out of your oil. Mm -hmm. Now, what we did was we took the C-cell technology and we created what we call the true atomizer ceramic sponge. So that's a bunch of marketing jargon for our atomizer holds about three times the surface area or three times the oil as a traditional C-cell cartridge. Okay. And by having more surface area, well, before you roll a joint or before you use the Vape XL Evo, you always shred up your herb. That's to expose more surface area for the heat to interact with. Mm -hmm. When you uh, have more surface area, the energy transfers more efficient, larger clouds, better flavor, all that great stuff. So uh, it was hard to do in a small form factor. So instead, what we ended up doing was poking a bunch of microscopic holes into the atomizer. So instead of making a bigger atomizer, we made it more porous hmm. and that's where we get the additional surface area from. So whether you're someone that's concerned with their health and want a higher vapor to smoke ratio, this atomizer's for you. If you're someone that loves the terpene profiles, well, this atomizer's for you. And if you're just someone that wants dragon clouds, well, guess what? This atomizer is also the best atomizer <laughs> for you. So we felt that that's a very strong value proposition, healthier, tastier, stronger, mm -hmm. you know, and that's where we think 
the true magic of our devices. And for those that don't really care about all the scientific um, uh, uh, data points I just talked about, well, the device just looks really cool. Mm -hmm. You know, you it buy does it for look that really reason. cool. It does look really cool. You did an excellent job aesthetically with it. Um, so because you've created this proprietary pod, which can be a gram too, which is pretty nice Correct. too, not just half a gram, um, the reliance on your partners to fill the pods is really, really important. Correct. Because no one can experience the stone without one of those specially filled carts. How did you go about selecting those partners? So each of our partners have either won a cannabis cup, a chalice cup, or a hemp con so that they have some sort of award to validate, you know, the premium nature of their oil. Um, the second part of the validation is after they fill it, each of our partners needs to sell it, uh, not sell it to us, send it to us so we could all personally try it. Mm -hmm. And then the third part is, well, you got to trust but verify also. So we send in their oil we get it lab tested. We make sure that there's no pesticides, no lead, no mercury, no cadmium, no arsenic, no vitamin E acetate, any of those things within the oil so that it's fully vetted. And then we can feel confident in introducing it to our customer base. And for a lot of our customer base, we know that right now, more than 50% of the customers at dispensaries are brand new customers. So um, they might not understand all of these various things that you need to be aware of when choosing the right extract partner. So we're just trying to build a, a premium ecosystem, you know, not too dissimilar to like PAX or GPEN, but anytime you see the Hanu logo and the extract partner, you can rest assured that this guy or this company is, uh, you know, one of the highest level uh, extractors in the cannabis industry. Which I think people don't realize building brands in the cannabis industry today. They're all focused on how cool is it, the packaging, the marketing. I think what they don't realize is that brand is about consistency, reliability. Like people go to McDonald's, they go to Marriott. It's not necessarily the best experience. It's that they can they can know what to expect. Yes. Right. They're comfortable with the value proposition that's being presented. Um, so when you get these test pods back, what are you looking for? That sounds like a really fun job, by the way, to sit around and test different oils. It is. Put in your pods it's the best job you, you have a great company a great job but anyway what are you looking for in that oil aside from the safety stuff what what what's good oil yeah so you know good oil i would say that depending on who you ask you might get some different answers you know i think good oil is also subjective but at the end of the day i'm looking for flavor um after flavor or not after flavor the aftertaste as well um smoothness of the vapor and overall effect, you know, and I think while some of these things are subjective, um, there are certain signatures, so certain types of extraction methodologies like CO2 or just straight distillate that give you a certain type of aftertaste. You know, I know you guys work with chemistry with their full spectrum oil, you know, like it's really hard to describe like what that exact flavor, mm -hmm. taste or experience is like, but you know, when it touches my lips and my tongue, and then when I feel the effect, like it's very clear to me, you know, like anyone that tries just a straight up distillate pen and then tries a chemistry pen, you know, like they may not have the right words to describe exactly what delineates like one from more. the other. They but know. yeah, they'll be yeah. like, this one just feels fuller. The effect is like, you know, the I, I actually, so the analogy that I use is, um, it's a music analogy. You know, I want like the bass, the mids and the treble. Mm -hmm. And many times like the oil, like if it's super high in THC, but it's not full spectrum with the rest of the cannabinoids. There's no subwoofer. Yeah, it's just high in trouble. Yeah. You know, it's just really loud. Sometimes That's a really shrieky. good analogy. Yeah, yeah. I also think I like that one more, but I hear a lot like chemistry and other full spectrum oils. They're closer to smoking flowers than to smoking a traditional vape pen, which they give you that more full effect, that full flavor. Like... I kind of get that analogy too. Yeah, and um, another good one is, and I believe Friendly Farms are the guys that have done this one or pushed this one the most, is like if flowers like orange juice, Friendly Farms, chemistry, those guys are making like orange juice with pulp, fresh squeezed orange juice okay. with pulp, and then like the distillate guys are like tang. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that too. Yeah. That's really good. Okay, so all the oils are great. I love to vape, I vape every day, but I really love flowers still. Mm -hmm. And I know you do too. Oh yeah. Is vaping flowers dying? Is that gonna not be a thing? 
You know, that's a very good question. So the number one thing about vaping flowers is that reloading in public is extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. It's you know? messy. Yeah. Yes, yes. So um, I'm actually working with two different organizations. They've come out with this fiber that will allow airflow but won't burn that you could enclose your shredded flower in. And so just imagine buying like a 20 pack of these flower discs that you could put into a vaporizer yeah. once you vape it you throw that disc away um i think that technology is probably six to nine months out mm -hmm. but um i've already started working on some preliminary technologies that would work with this type of yeah well, i think we talked about this when you were in the brainstorming phase when you were thinking about the stone and this idea you can have like a desktop version and maybe on a subscription model like have flowers come to your house in these pods mm -hmm. like keurig like a keurig cup or something Correct. Although there's another company that does that that I heard is not very good at it, but I won't mention that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think they've abandoned that device oh yeah, they, altogether. They, they, they I believe so. Yeah, it. yeah. Got it. Smart. It didn't look very good. I never tried it, to be fair. I don't think anyone's ever tried it, to be fair. So everybody's familiar with the tremendous valuation and growth of PAX as an extension jewel, even though they're separate companies now. So when you look at what a potential exit is for you, it's potentially really big. Yes. I mean, really big, right? I mean, what what did PAX... They're, they're still an independent company, but they raised, what, like a billion dollars or something like that for... Uh, ironically enough, they... Uh, so Kronos. I believe Altria put in $12 billion into Jewel, but uh, I can't remember the company, but they the company that put money into PAX, ironically, it was uh, $420 million. I'm sure that was a coincidence. Yeah, so that was easy for me to remember. That's the thing that like uh, stuck out to me. I couldn't remember who actually uh, funded it. them. But... Got it. Okay, that's a ton of money. Yeah, it's a ton of money. And that puts them in a valuation of billions. Yes. Right? Yes. So is that where you're headed here? Like, can you compete at that level? I think that um, for us to compete against them, you know, we have to take different strategies and tactics. You know, we have just raised a... a, a a small percentage of what they have raised, but ultimately we do think that we could get there. You know, uh, we very much look at them as the apple of the industry. Um, and there are some strong players out there that could become the Samsung, uh, the Samsung to their apple. Mm -hmm. But based on what I've seen of their technology stack and what I know of what we're doing, I think that our long-term roadmap and strategy will allow us to become that Samsung to PAX's apple. And ultimately, you know, for myself personally, if we have an exit that big, great. But my goal is always to help as many people with the best types of products possible. And if we do that, I think we will become the Samsung to Pax's Apple. Well, there's a lot of outcomes in between there, too. <laughs> there is a lot of outcomes really out good. there. Yeah, which yeah. Which are really good. Um, so you brought up the fact that your technology is better, which I can attest to. Thank you. The question is... And this goes to the, there's a fight going on currently for the soul of the cannabis industry. Oh, yes. The way that I see it. And the question is, how much bigger are new consumers as a part of the market versus traditional consumers? And if we assume that new people are a little less educated, maybe more price sensitive, is this strategy going to matter? You know, are new people going to recognize that it's a better product? Very good question. And this is why I think Vapegate will, in the big picture, really Help. benefit us. Yep. You know, I mean, uh, people are very much price sensitive. And what's interesting is um, since our soft launch, we've sold about 10,000 of these. And in our surveys, we were asking people, why did you buy this? You know, would you buy more pods? Yada, yada, yada. And as you could imagine, you know, the 21 to 35 demographic is our strongest demographic. Uh, some of them bought it because it looks cool. Some of them love the flavor. Uh, and some of them were like, hey, you know, like your pods are $50 a half gram. I could yeah. get pods at $25 a half gram. How are you getting that feedback? Uh, we send out surveys. Okay. Yep. Uh, most of the people, you know, we just give some incentive. If you register, you know, we'll give you, you know, some sort of discount off your next pod. So you get their email Correct. through a discount. and then Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, um, but you know, when there's $25 half grams out there, they're like, we go through three or four pods a month, you know, 
that's a hundred bucks extra we're spending yeah. to be in this um, Pluto or Hanu ecosystem. Yeah. So um, there's some price sensitivities for the younger folks, but what we found was, you know, um, over 35% of our customers are over the age of 40. And they routinely said that they are willing to pay this premium because they read that this was the safest device for them. You know, they didn't care about the form factor. They didn't care about the flavor. They didn't care about these awesome clouds that they could exhale. They were really harping on that our pods were ROHS and ROHS2 compliant, mm -hmm. that they found out that we were the first to pass category three testing. So we were actually quite surprised that that was the reasoning, but we also started realizing, oh, you know, these people don't have price sensitivities when they're worried about their health. Now, when they're just like wanting something cool to show off at the party, maybe they start having some price sensitivities. But ultimately what we're gonna be doing is number one, we're gonna be lowering our prices so that those that wanna use this can afford it. What's the retail price today? Uh, right now the device is $50 and the pods go anywhere from 40 to 50. Got it. Yeah. So not cheap. The pods aren't crazy expensive, but the the stone is kind of pricey, no? Uh, it is a little bit and pricier. And how much do you think you can get it down? Uh, so actually, so what's interesting is the device cost is not really the cost that people were um, telling us that was, excuse me, um, uh, it was the cost of the pods. You know, that's where the total lifetime value of the yeah, cus sure. customer really increases. So um, what we're actually doing right now is we're teaming up with different folks like Pluto. So Pluto has a $60 sauce pod. It's a full gram. So that puts us right in the same ballpark as yeah. the $30 half gram raw garden carts. And I argue that, you know, you could put the Pluto pod next to any raw garden cartridge and- Do you have one? I gotta try it. Oh, that's what we've been puffing this oh, that's morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, very, very cool. How many partners today? Uh, we currently have eight partners. So Pluto, eFarms, Beasel, Eel River Organics, did I say eFarms? I think I did. Beasel, uh, Hollister, Gold Seal, Incredibles is going to be launching in Colorado. And then we're also talking to some of the multi-state operators. Got it. When you approach the MSOs, how's that conversation different than sort of a boutique oil manufacturing? You know, what's interesting is um, usually the MSOs have like a very, or not very big, but a much larger evaluation team. Yeah. You know, they'll have a few of their chief scientists on the call. They'll have their chief extraction officer on the call. They'll have a few of the business guys on the call that don't know shit about anything, but want to ask a few questions <laughs> that ha have no relevancy to the conversation, but they're adding value in some way. But ultimately the main difference is Boutique extractors by, you know, in the thousands or tens of thousands, mm -hmm. the MSOs by in the hundreds of thousands. So, so they're really meaningful deals when you get it done. Very meaningful deals. Yes. Yes. That's, that's very cool. Um, so one of the things that I know about you as an entrepreneur is you're very efficient with your capital and you've made, oh, you laugh, I'm serious. I laugh because it's true, but we've had to be efficient, you yeah, know, so. but that's a good thing, I would argue. Um, so when you look at the future, do you need one of these players to sort of like rise with, or are you prepared to raise a ton of money? Like what, what's the financing goals here? Yeah, interestingly enough, so we have been looking at the market and we talked about quality products and branding and who are kind of like the current winners in the space. And, you know, there is such an emphasis, not just on the brand, but your ability to market and make sure that there's eyeballs on the brand. So, you know, we just kind of looked in the mirror and we're like, hey, where are we at? What do we do well? What do we not do well? And what we realized was we're happy to be kind of like the intel inside and support these major players, right? Like the days of us pushing our brand as the number one thing like we still obviously want people to know that it's Hanu inside, but our job now is to help all of these other brands grow and become main players themselves. And ultimately, you know, if I look into my crystal ball, one of these guys, one of these major players, you know, they've all been looking for a technology arm mm -hmm. and, you know. You're it. We're it. Yeah. Yeah. And we've already started seeing like tilt bought Jupiter, sure. or I don't know what's going on with Tilt now, but Me we've neither. already but seen- Jupiter's part of Tilt. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we've already started seeing like these larger organizations try to gobble up, or not try, but you know, 
start bringing these technology providers in-house. So now we're looking at which companies do we think have the right strategy? Which ones do we think if we were a part of their vertically integrated portfolio of companies where we have the biggest impact? And ultimately, you know, I don't want like paper that's not going to be worth nothing in the future. So mm -hmm. I'm very much looking at their long-term strategy to see which ones we think, you know, which horse that we want to bet on to become a part of as well. Totally. I think it's a really valuable lesson for founders or people that are thinking about starting companies that like the ability for you to pivot over and over and over again, right? Like you did the Vapex sale, which is a fantastic product, but you figured out like, this isn't going to be the big thing. Mm -hmm. I know it's a stable business. It makes money, which is also a credit to you while you build another business. And then you thought, okay, we're going to create a brand and sell them as individual batteries. And now you're recognizing the market, you took in that feedback and you've pivoted again and said, well, no, I can be this technology provider. Right. right. And I think that's really valuable that like, it doesn't always work out the way that you expect it to. It could be better than what you expected it to be. You know, I think the operative word is it could be better yeah. than what you thought about because in the past, you know, just like any entrepreneur, you know, you kind of want to be known for what you're doing, right? Like I want my brand to be known. But at the end of the day, I'm just trying to feed my family and hang out with my friends. Yeah. Like, I don't need to be on R Mount Rushmore with the rest of these dudes. Yeah. Like, I just want to be able to hang out with guys like you. Not always tell you I'm too busy to hang out. Yeah. Quality of living is super important to me. And whether I hit a home run, a triple or a double, as long as I'm scoring, I'll be happy. And ultimately, you know, I think that being able to pivot is one of the most important skills, you know, in the beginning, you know, like there was a lot of people that were telling me things and I was very stubborn and it took some time for it to seep through. And ultimately the reason why we've been able to pivot to this new strategy that I think is gonna work really, really well is, I'm not gonna name names, but two of the largest companies in California right now uh, were gonna be Honeystone partners. Then they decided to do their own hardware then they realized they don't know how to make hardware. <laughs> so now they want to ask me to make personalized hardware for them. Yeah. And essentially, every company that we've talked to um, that is going to be a Hanu partner has also asked me, can I make custom hardware for them? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean... Custom like in branding or in like a different form factor? Different form factor, but leverage the same technology stack, okay. right? So, we've so not already, a stone. But. So not a stone, right, but a proprietary device yeah. for them. So it started making me think, okay, well, what does it matter if it's all, if it looks different, but it's using all of our pods? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. then the idea here is there's a, five, there's a standard for cartridges, the 510 thread. There is yet a standard for pods. So let's go figure out what the pod standard is. Yeah, I would love if the device was a little smaller. It's a little big in my pocket while I'm carrying it around. I often don't carry a bag. I just don't like carrying a bag. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would love if it was like a little smaller. That's cool. Absolutely, That's you know, cool. and probably the first time someone's like, I want something smaller in between my legs. <laughs> I, I, I'm not even gonna touch that. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just move on. That's for a different show. Um, so the other kind of major thing that's happening right now is this hemp explosion yes. with CBD. How much do you think about that? Is there a CBD hemp pod coming soon? You know, okay, so for a very long time, I don't know if I was just drinking the cannabis Kool-Aid, but I was like, CBD isolate just doesn't do anything, you know? I think that's true too. And everyone's like, the entourage effect, we need all of this, all of that. Then I have like, it's gotta be in the hundreds at this point, friends, family, relatives, that have bought some CBD salve, cream, tincture at Bed Bath & Beyond or Sephora or some retail shop. Sometimes I look at the packaging, it's not even CBD isolate, it's hemp seed oil. It's marketed as like full spectrum hemp seed oil yeah. to like confuse the fuck out of people. And all of them are telling me it works. So I'm like, okay, if everyone's telling me it works. Then it works then there's people in the cannabis industry saying it doesn't work as good as full spectrum. You know, like I'm always like gonna err on the side of the cannabis industry because I have so much love for it. Sure. But at the same time, when I'm seeing all these people saying it works, then I'm not gonna say you guys are all wrong and lying. Like if 
in your experience, it works. It works, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we're absolutely going to be making cool. hemp CBD pods. You yeah. know, it works. And then that opens up so much. I mean, then you can be in corner stores and liquor stores and wherever, right? You want to do that too? Yeah, you know, like it will, doing this hemp CBD line is, and we're going to be doing a broad spectrum. So all the cannabinoids minus the THC um, is that it's going to lift a lot of the restrictions that we have, you know, and being able to scale up an e-commerce site is so much more, uh, takes it takes so much less money yeah. than having all these boots on the floor, having to sell, having to do all these different things. So we're very excited about that portion of the space. And, you know, it's a really, really crowded space, you know, like everyone and their mom, Nate Diaz, like skaters, you know, everyone has a CBD line right now. But I think our differentiator is that, well, we have this really awesome device and mm -hmm. We also have really great CBD providers that we're vetting the same way so that, you know, you're not buying like the CBD water, getting it tested and realizing it's like tap water, you know, mm -hmm. like we're making sure that um, if you're getting 500 or it says 500 milligrams on the bottle or on the pod, there is indeed 500 milligrams of CBD in the pod as well. Mm -hmm. What are the biggest metrics that are important to you? Filling partners, stores, like KPIs in the morning. What, what do you look at? Oh, you know, the most important, so there's two main KPIs, you know, how many pods are we selling empty pods to our partners? And then what's the sell through at the retail level? So, you know, we're always, um, we always know how many pods we're selling, obviously, because they have to put in orders with us. And then ultimately we have to get reports back from like Spark or um, Buds and Roses or any of the dispensaries to see what the sell through looks like. Um, we've had no issues like opening accounts. We've had no issues finding extract partners. So the main metric right now is, you know, our B2B sales are strong. We got to make sure the sell through at the retail level is just as strong as well. And that's where, you know, the additional marketing and the awareness is going to come in handy. And how about the economics of the filling partner? Like, is it cheaper than filling a PAX cart? Uh, right now, believe it or not, based on what I just learned, uh, PAX has a significantly cheaper pod than ours but at the same time you know our partners have uh have mentioned that they're happy to pay the premium because mm -hmm. their oil tastes significantly better through our yeah. platform and uh, that made us feel really good you know because when we first launched we were like a few bucks cheaper than packs mm -hmm. so we're like yeah we're the cheaper option than packs with better hardware yeah and the fact that we still have more customers and extract partners signing up even though we're more expensive than them by you know 30 40 50 percent now mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a testament to our technology and why we're so confident about. Yeah, those um, are all great data forward. points. I mean, obviously, it's premium because people are willing to pay for it being premium. Yeah, right? like yep. they kind of created the category for you in a lot of senses. They did. So um, I have a lot of appreciation for those guys. So I just want to shift to you a little bit. Um, we're good friends. It's always fun to do an interview. We are. With good yes. Friends. Yeah. Fun and a little weird because you know you're asking me formally and. I'm trying to respond formally, but I also know like we could fuck around and I'll well, give we you can, the... We can fuck around. Yeah, We're in yeah. the back half of the episode now. Um, Is swearing okay on these podcasts? Oh, yeah. Okay, We're, okay. We're explicit in iTunes because it's weed anyway. So okay. Okay. Cool. Matter, cool. Yeah. I've listened to a lot of your podcasts and many of the guys are very buttoned up and sounding super professional and stuff. So I was like, oh, shit. You know what it is? This is kind of a good thing and a bad thing. The industry has grown up so much that... Everybody has like their PR people, their marketing people. And so the message gets really watered down by the, you know, like if you interview Poplin Barkley, like what he says has been vetted like three times. Yeah, it's all right? sound bites. And they're increasingly like, will you send us the questions ahead of time? And I'm like, no, like that's, that's not how I do it. You yeah. Know? And circumcised uh, or not circumcised. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Sorry. Um, one of the things that I love about you, Sabo, though, is you are now making the third company, well, not third company, second company work. Mm -hmm. And like I said, you haven't raised that much money. No. You're very efficient with your capital, which could create a very, very stressful life. Yes. And yet you're one of the happiest and most content people that I know. Thank you. You have a beautiful family. We're in your home in, in San Mateo. Are we in San Mateo or Foster, Foster City. City? Close enough. Yeah. And um, I wonder how you do that. 
how do you have these companies that are very stressful? The cannabis industry in particular is really stressful, and yet you have this very zen approach to life. You know, um, it was being extremely emotional in my youth, get that getting me into a lot of trouble and learning different ways to deal with stress um, that has gotten me to this point. You know, one of the things that I've kind of realized is people talk about having the attitude of gratitude. And I go, well, what do you guys do for your attitude of gratitude? They're like, oh, we just have the attitude. And I'm like, oh, well, that's just like those people that have yoga mats, that have the yoga clothing, that talk about the benefits of yoga, have a yoga practice, but just never go to yoga, you know? And I was like, all right, for gratitude, you actually have to do something. So one of the things that me and my daughters do at dinner with my wife is we think of three things that we were grateful for that day, you know? And, you know, California cannabis has been super crazy. It's been really challenging. There's been times where I've been like straight up depressed. There's been times where I was like super anxious. There's been times where I was like, I should just go get a nine to five job. But at the end of the day, I think having that practice of gratitude has allowed me to like really just understand like how lucky I am to be just involved in this industry right now. Um, and having the ability to change, you know, the way people are consuming cannabis, maybe even their minds on how they view cannabis. And for me, whether I have a seven-figure exit, eight-figure exit, no exit at all, the experience of life is the most important thing. The journey. You know, the journey, right, right. The destination is always great, but all the things that you learn along the way, like I know way more about compliance that I would ever think I would know about compliance. You know, I know how laws get passed now. I mean, I had some idea because I took American government in high school, but without being part of this cannabis industry, I wouldn't have you know, been part of a movement where we were actually changing the law. Yeah, so, a lot of businesses, they're set in stone. They're easy to understand. You don't get into the legal aspects of it. Yeah. So what I've come to realize is life is always going to serve you up a big platter of shit all the time. And the only thing you could do is how you're going to respond to it, you know? And I know for people that are like depressed or sad, like what I'm going to say probably sounds like horse shit, but I believe that you could will yourself to be happy. I believe that happiness is something that you could train yourself into doing. And just like any other habit, it doesn't happen overnight. But if you train yourself to be optimistic, it's very easy for you to find the good things of every situation. If you're someone that is always negative, you know, misery loves company, and all you and your friends do is like complain and talk about this person being a mansplainer or that person being part of the Me Too movement or this, that, and the other then you have this low resonance frequency that you're vibrating from and life just sucks that way. So I believe that you can practice happiness and get yourself into a good frame of mind. And the reason I can say this is because I've been depressed as fuck before mm -hmm. and I've been really looking at different ways to get out of like the sadness and this depression and it was retraining my mind, mm -hmm. you know? And obviously having a good tribe around you of good people to help lift you up, that helps. But ultimately, to me, when you're faced with any situation, the only thing you could really control is how you respond to it. And that's not to say you, know, uh, you ignore your, your anger or your sadness or any of that. You gotta go through all that, you gotta feel it, but you can't wallow in it. And just like working out your muscles, I feel like you could work out your mind. And that's the one of the things that I really believe in. You know, we always talk about mental health and depression and people are always saying it's a chemical, re, uh, chemical imbalance. Guess what? Go ask anyone, what test did the doctor do to see which chemicals were imbalanced in you? It's a very imperfect science. I, I deal with depression too. I've been on lots of antidepressants in my life. They basically just say, what does your family take? Do you have any experience with any of them? Try this. Oh, that didn't work. Try this too. You know, they it's very imperfect. Right, right. And, you know, I was diagnosed with ADD when I was younger and they said it was a chemical imbalance of like, you know, the serotonin to oxytocin to the dopamine to the, you know, all these different ratios. And then I was like, but we never did a test on me to see, like no blood was drawn. Yeah. It was just, do you not pay attention at school? No. 
Do you like to play video games? Yeah. Do you think of other shit when you're in like a boring situation? All the time. You got ADD. And I was like, all right, I got ADD, I guess. You know? So, you know, once I started realizing that there was no like test for these chemical imbalances and I'm like, well, then, you know, I used to sell software as a subscription, right? Mm -hmm. Now I'm like, oh, this is basically like medication as a subscription. Yeah. You know, you take this shit for the rest of your life. And, you know, at least for me, I'd like to think of natural ways to try to get out of it. And if there is a chemical imbalance in people, then, you know. I mean, that does exist. That's yeah. a thing. Um, but yeah, it is sort of unclear what the chemicals are and how they're out of balance. Right. And if you're unclear about thing, it, yeah. then you're just playing Russian, not Russian roulette, but you're just basically experimenting with all these things that may or may not be benefiting you, yeah. right? So how anyways. does cannabis fit into the mental health discussion? There's been some research that it can make you depressed, it can make you bipolar, it can make you psychotic. Mm -hmm. um, when I feel depressed or down, I cut back. I limit my cannabis typically. And it is a depressant by category. And I find that if I do that for a period of time, I feel a little bit better. It's not to say that I haven't been very happy and productive while I'm consuming cannabis in my life, but do you find that give and take at all? How does it work for you? You know, what's interesting is, and this took me a long time to figure out, but you know, I had never really considered myself like a medical marijuana patient. Mm -hmm. I had always thought like I took cannabis to enhance fun, my life. Yeah. Um, as I got older, I realized I was just self-medicating and didn't realize it. But as I scratched a little bit deeper, I started realizing, you know, there's times that I use cannabis to like numb the pain. And then there's times I use cannabis to enhance what I'm doing. Right. And sometimes those lines were like very blurry. You know, it's like, why are you doing it right now? Right before the video game? Oh, to make myself feel better before the video game, mm -hmm. as opposed to being like, that shit just sucked. And I wanted to smoke weed to right. forget about that right. stuff for a while. And I would always convince myself since I'm an optimist that I was doing it for like these better reasons as opposed to just numbing out these negative feelings yeah. that I wanted to feel. So I think that for a lot of people being able to clearly delineate, am I using cannabis to run away from something right now? Or am I using cannabis to enhance my experience right now? That is a very crucial skill to learn in figuring out whether or not cannabis is helping you or not. And this isn't just with cannabis, it could be video games, drinking, or any other things that people do to avoid pain, and, you know, and usually it's something like an illicit drug or maybe it's watching porn or playing video games, right? There's a yeah, lot of things that people lot, do yeah. to distract themselves from focusing on what they should be focusing on. And, you know, even things like when I look at people that are like super, super politically active, then I look at like their Facebook page or their LinkedIn or whatever. And I'm like, oh, shit. This person's life is like in shambles. Then I realized, oh, they're focusing on all this political stuff, all this external stuff, because they don't want to focus on their own personal shit. And it's much easier to point out other people's problems than yourself, right? So that was just kind of a conclusion that I came to myself. So when I started, whenever I see myself like judging or, you know, pointing out other people's flaws and things, you know, it's kind of like this really quick reminder, like, hey, is there like some little shadow work that I need to do? Mm. And why is this like really pissing me off, yeah. you know? And one of the things that I noticed was like, you know, like if people didn't have like a clean house, I would always be like, no, nah, they're not cleaning their house. You think that's the Asian in you? Well, what I realized is I never clean my house. That's why I judge other people that don't oh, clean their houses. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was more of a reflection on me, you know? So I was like judging them, but really judging me, right? Yeah, so. Um, I love what you said about does cannabis enhance your experience or numb your experience? And I think one of the things that's really helped me along that way is consuming cannabis is not an activity. And it used to be for me, you know, it was just like, we're going to sit down and we're going to smoke weed. And I, what I found is that if you want to get high, get high and do something, you know, get high. And even if it's like, read the news, like, don't just be high to be high. Right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like a two-hour smoke session. Right. And right. then that, that, that is the that's activity. That's the activity, right? Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because I think that's where some of the community in the cannabis industry comes from. Is like for so long, we had to huddle like in the shadows 
and like in mm. bedrooms and smoke weed. You know, it was like a thing. Like, let's go smoke weed. When people drink, they're not like, hey, let's sit around the table. I mean, I guess if you're a teenager, but like sit around the table and be like, hey, let's drink. Right. 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 <laughs> it just doesn't happen. And yeah, I think that's a really important sort of maturation of this industry. I think so too. And, you know, I mean, the way people utilize cannabis, it's changed so much since, you know, we've had this legal industry. And now that we are coming out of the shadows, yeah, you know, and where are all the lounges that we could go to? They're in West Hollywood. Is that where you guys are moving to? (laughs) Yeah, we're moving to Venice. Okay. Pretty close. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. WeHo. Yeah. I forgot about that spot. <laughs> WeHo. Yeah. Lowell's. I, is it open yet? Is Lowell's place open yet? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but Lowell's is, they were definitely in full force at Hall of, of Flowers course. for sure. Of course. Yeah. Um, well, this has been awesome, man. This Always has been great awesome. to see you. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, how can we help you? How can the audience help you? Are you hiring for anything? What's the website? Plug, plug whatever. Yeah. You yeah. Uh, go to hanulabs.com, H A N U L A B S.com. That's our Twitter, our Instagram, our Facebook pages. I'm at Sabu Hanu on Instagram. I'm trying to get on there more often. Dude, but... you're awesome on social media. Though. Am I? On Facebook too. Yeah. You're hilarious. Facebook's just... kind of like my thing, I you guess. Just... The old folks social network. <laughs> <laughs> Does the product appeal more to that age group because you're that age group? Uh, that? Potentially. I guess potentially. they have more money. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Like I said, you know, those that are concerned about health tend to be a little bit less price sensitive. So it makes sense that those that are a little bit older have a little bit more, you know, expendable cash to spend. And let's face it, when you're young and you're bulletproof, like you probably think you could suck down VG and PEG and vitamin E acetate and your lungs will just self-repair. Whereas when you can, maybe I think so. Yeah. I mean, I did I so many. all kinds of bad shit. I, Me too. I don't want to talk about. Yeah. And I came through. Yeah. And I did, did, did one of those bad things. Now it probably I'd be down for a full week. Yeah. It'd be rough. Yeah. Be rough. Well, great to see you, buddy. Thank great you. to see you too.